So what we're <clears> thinking, four goals against the Pharaohs, unbeaten in the World Cup qualifiers so far, five points out of a possible nine. How are we placed for reaching another major finals as we now start to look ahead to this summer's Euros? Scott Brown's been talking today about leaving Celtic. It's is Eddie Howe on his way into the club as the new manager. There's lots of noise again about the former Bournemouth boss. Simon Donnelly, is it a question of how, when... I like that one, Rob. That was good. I like that. What are you expecting? Are they all done? Yeah, not bad. Not bad. Or I'm why? Not, I don't know, Rob. It's speculation. I think uh, he was spotted in the, the local Tesco and he's went into favourite, I think. But yeah, his name's always been there. It's always been bandied about. And as I say, he's went right into favourite. So it's, it could be. Yeah, who knows? Well, it's not going to qualify as surprise of the season, but Alan McGregor has signed up for another season at Rangers. He's in his 40th year, which must mean Chris Burke is well away from throwing his boots away, I would have thought. <laughs> no, you're, you're a youngster in comparison. Yeah, I'm, he's given me hope. That's the thing. Uh, just obviously we're playing different positions, but it's great to see he signed a one-year deal, secured it, obviously he said after the title, which is, shows the manner of him. And Ross Wilson said himself, you know, he's never in doubt. Uh, we're giving him a new deal uh, Steven Gerrard says it's he brings great personality to the group and you know having a one year deal I could see him going on after that I think he could play easily into his 40s and the question is and I would like to know from the if anybody's listening if Rangers fans phone in how does he judge against other uh, Rangers goalkeepers in the past yeah, and the other thing would be, is he the player of the season as well for Rangers? And maybe in Scotland, is he the best Scottish player this season? The likes of James Tavernier and Conor Goldson immediately come to mind uh, at Rangers. But think of those big saves. And, and what is Alan McGregor's best save of the season? Would it be the one in the old firm game from Lee Griffiths? Or would it be the one, who, was it against Royal Antwerp? That yeah, European was. one down to his left? I think the old firm one was was, was excellent. It was a time where Celtic were, were dominating. It was a time game. in the game, wasn't it? Yeah, it was a very important time, Simon, and he saved them, obviously, going down to, to 1-0 and, and Rangers ended up winning the match. But for me, going back to it, who's player of the season, you could talk Tavenier, you could talk Davis, but I just think, and I've said it, I think, last week on the show, for me, it is McGregor uh, by a country mile. I think it's very difficult, Simon, for a defender or a midfielder a defensive midfielder or a goalkeeper winning player of the season and I think at this moment in time he should definitely get it just because I'm at a clean sheets that Rangers have had as well um, and the way they've they've dominated the league It's been a very relaxed start to the show hasn't it? We are on air aren't we? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah we definitely are It is the Thursday edition of the Go Radio Football Show with OPC Energy Limited You are listening to Chris Burke Simon Donnelly and Rob McLean We're looking ahead to <laughs> Scottish Cup weekend as well Lots to talk about tonight Lots for you to get involved with as well the Scottish Cup kicks off tomorrow night and it's a long weekend uh, because it doesn't, doesn't finish till Monday um, although there are two teams not quite ready to look forward to Cup action this weekend quite yet uh, because they're playing tonight it's incredible isn't it the, the fixtures that are being crammed in at the moment so two League One games uh, tonight Simon uh, Dumbarton at home to Airdrie uh, now Dumbarton of course play Aberdeen on Saturday lunchtime uh, one of the live television games across the weekend. Um, East Fife, who play Morton <coughs> in the Cup on Saturday uh, against Clyde tonight, who are home to, no, they're away to Air United on Saturday. So, um, I mean, it, these, these are it's, tough calls for probably thin squads. It's a test for them. It certainly is, especially the, the time that they've not 
you know, been on the pitch. Uh, the part-time teams in particular, I think a few of them, Cove Rangers, I know played this week as well. They play Rangers at the weekend and they've got a game next week. They're coming thick and fast. I think it's just the nature. We've decided to go ahead with the Scottish Cup. I'm really happy that that's, that decision's been made. But there's going to be a real backlog of games. Uh, but I suppose the boys have all been sitting dying to play football yeah, again. So that, I mean, you'll say yourself, Berkey, you, you want to play rather than train. So yeah. if the games come, come thick and fast, yes, yeah, it's, it's, it's a difficult one for them to deal with, and, but one that they'll relish, I think. And look at Brora. Brora didn't Aye, seem to, exactly. to face them, did it? No. It just shows how enthusiastic they were at getting back. Desperate I think. to get back. Yeah, yeah, they had about, what, four, four training sessions before they turned yeah. up and beat Hearts. Uh, so I think the, as much as it is very hard I think it'll probably time will tell in the next coming weeks when they have to keep doing that Simon where it comes Tuesday, Thursday, Saturday you know maybe you could do that for two weeks but when you go into the third, fourth maybe fifth week of doing that and that maybe the, the, the squad could maybe thin a little bit I bet Broder are glad that their name came out of the hat first in that cup tie against Stranraer because that is that is a fair old uh, journey for Stranraer on Saturday. They're probably leaving about now, Simon, <laughs> to get, to get <laughs> there in time. I know they're a man to the cup, eh? Uh, and they'll probably have to drive themselves as well. Yeah. And you're at Ockleview, uh, yeah. Kelly, at Ockleview on I've, Saturday. I've never the, been. No? Never been. So. Oh, lo- lovely view of the Ockles. Is it? Apparently, apparently that's why they called it that. No, no it's lovely. Nice, it? l- nice little stadium. But I mean, they'll be fancying their chances, won't they, against they you lot? Of course they will. <laughs> what are you saying there, Rob? Just no, because you're sitting near the bottom there. Yeah, exa- no, exactly. exactly. <laughs> you gave me a dig the other week as well. <laughs> <laughs> no, exactly. No, but I mean, that, that's something you'll be using, isn't it, to, to come back at them? You, you have to, you know, take charge of that cup tie because they'll be looking upon the draw as, as a as playing against a fragile team mm-hmm. well, we've, got, no, we've maybe got other priorities of course well listen I think um, you're right in saying that priorities is staying in the league for Kilmarnock I think um, in the cup competitions you still have to respect the opponent no matter what division they play in uh, we've watched a little bit of footage already and it actually looks like the same Astro Tough that was first put in place when I first joined Kilmarnock so the boys should be used to it anyway um, retro yeah it is it's a retro Astro but you know, I think if we apply ourselves in the right way um, and just show the same commitment as we do against the team that we're playing against, then I can see it's going into <clears> the forefront. Did either of you think it was going to be four 0 Scotland last night? Uh, I, I thought I fancied the boys strongly. Uh, first half we only get the one goal, and you're thinking, you know, we, we want to kick on here. But I did think we would win by goals. It was great to get the four goals. I thought they were good goals, well worked. Uh, G Adams getting off the mark for Scotland as well. That's Huge for us moving forward. I think he's going to be a big player going into the Euros. He was good, wasn't he? Did you do yeah, a prediction, Chris? Did you? I did do a prediction. I just predicted the, the formation and I sent it in. Well, well done. So well, well done with that. 3-5-2. Yeah, 3-5-2. But you didn't, yeah. go for the, you didn't go for the score? No, I never went for the score. I did think we were, if we, the first goal was so important. I think an early goal was, was crucial. Starting well again, as obviously Steve Clark spoke about, he wasn't happy with the, the, the couple of performances, but they've just not started well. Uh, we got on the front foot, and straight away you've seen Pink Fraser cut inside, shoot with his left in the first minute, and then we score in like the seventh minute of the game. Um, it just calms the nerves a little bit of the team as well. You know when you're playing against a, a lesser opposition at home, Simon, when you're playing against a team and the longer it goes on, it now and now. and they sit and make it frustrating yeah. for you. And I think they did that, you know, they after did. we got the early goal. But thankfully, I think we, we scored quite early in the second half. Yeah. And I, I thought a lot of the play was really good to, to watch. Yeah, we, 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 I, th- I thought we ground them down a little bit. I think we, we, as the longer the game went on, I think the Pharaohs had less and less belief in themselves knowing that they could get into the game and that comes for the dominance that we played as well I thought we were very strong on the left hand side with Tierney and Roberts yeah. and that was really really eye catching for me everybody keeps saying 
who's better position where. But I think you can't really give the two players a position. I just think you just have to let them play on the left-hand side. I think they're that intelligent off the ball as well and in possession of the ball. But the, if one goes further, another the other one just sits for them. And even at that, you can recycle the ball and you'd start the play and build it up from the back again. Um, seeing it was evident with the goals that, that, that came from, I think, you know, Tierney had three assists in the game. Yeah. Um, and that all probably came... I think two crosses from the left-hand side, three crosses from the left-hand side, really, mm-hmm. and a pass inside to Che Adams. What a finish that was, wasn't it? Brilliant. Great turn. Brilliant. That's, that's I thought it. early on in the game as well, they weren't quite in the, wave, the wavelength of two strikers, but Che Adams, he was letting things run through him. He had a couple of wee things, and you just think he had stuff to offer there. And I'm just glad that he gets his goal early in his, uh, early in his Scotland career because that will settle them down sure going into the, to the finals let's talk to Jordan Jordan do you know anyone that predicted 4-0 last night beforehand <laughs> yeah, I think I might have taken a punt on that one I. Did, did you take a punt on it was there a was there an investment involved no well, to be honest with you that's why it came through I never bothered always <laughs> the case I know that, well, that. I would have picked that score I would have won this and that yeah I know so did it, no, did, it did it pan out as you expected then I, I thought I came, see after I, I came off the phone last night I looked at uh, Pharaoh's form and then they said just on the commentary they've scored in like their last seven matches and I just thought I just for a minute got a wee bit of fear that you know what I mean? we might just get caught on the hop a wee bit but I think after about 10-15 minutes it was quite comfortable um, and like they said there it's I, I think with Tierney and Roberts it's, they were given that chance to just sort of get a focus a little bit more on attack and a little bit more positive play and then You've seen the quality of the delivery for Tierney for the the goals as well. Do you know what I mean? It's yeah. he's a fantastic player. So it was it was it was one of the best ones I've seen for a while. And I know obviously it's the Faroe Islands, but I think with the quality we've got, I think we should try and play a bit more like that on the regular. You know, actually go at teams um, yeah. and see what happens. Do you know what I mean, what else have we got to lose? Absolutely. This was Stevie Clark post match. It was a good game. We we picked a team that would be positive and get at them. We scored within. Within the first seven, eight minutes, I think it was. We got the first goal, we got behind them, was good. We knew they would give us a, a tough game, they're a tough team, physical. You could see that. It was difficult to break them down, so it was important to get the early breakthrough. And then we had to be patient waiting on the, the second goal. Uh, and we were patient, we controlled the game reasonably well. Listen, they still had one or two chances, so we can do slightly better defensively, but things to work on. Pleased with the team tonight, pleased with the team overall in the first 10, 10 days together was good. First camp, five points, second in the group. OK, let's look forward to September and the, the next games in the World Cup. Jordan, we'll need to get your predictions ahead of the Euros. Uh, hopefully you've got good news for us ahead of, ahead of those games as well. What are you thinking about that group table when you look at, at it now, the, the World Cup qualifiers? Because we put that to bed now uh, till September uh, when that gets going again. But we're five points out of nine after three games. Uh, what, what do you make of that? Where do you think we stand uh, after these three games? I think it, it can't hurt to see that but at least we've not taken a step back I don't think I think quite often with Scotland you can have a really good campaign and then by the time you come round a few months later the the form sort of dropped off do you know what I mean but from the the qualifiers last year when we got through to now do you know what I mean the standard hasn't hasn't dropped and if anything with the addition of Shea Adams you know that's nothing but positive for the team so I think it, as much as Scotland can be I reckon we can go 
any international game now and give anyone a decent game if we show up. That's just the problem with trying to find that consistency, I think. Yeah, playing in patches um, ain't going to do it, I suppose, over the piece. That, that's the that's the main development, I guess, that Stevie Clark wants to see. Simon Donnelly is is producing what Scotland have produced at times in these games, but, but over a 90 minutes. I've said it all along, Rob. We've got players there. We have players there that can go and create. Uh, add Che Adams to that. You know, I think we're no blessed with... A lot of strikers, you know, our midfield's probably our strongest department in the team. But I think we've got players there that can go and hurt teams. I agree with Jordan there. I'm greedy. I wanted maximum points. I think yeah. going for the jugular against Austria, we could have maybe got the three points. But you look at it, it was a point. Are they beatable? I believe they are. We can go and get a result there. We can beat Israel at home. I think Denmark are going to run away with it by the looks of things. But... On the grand scheme of things, I don't think it's a bad start, but it could have been a wee bit better. As I say, I'm, I'm greedy. Yeah. I wanted a, a three-point win at home against Austria. I thought seven out of nine would have would have been good. I think going into them, that's what I was kind of hoping for. So I'm, I'm a bit disappointed with, with five out of nine, Chris. And, and maybe the, the most frustrating game, looking back, is Austria, mm-hmm. the first one at Hamden, rather than Israel, um, who on their patch uh, might take points off other teams. Yeah, no, you're right. Rob, obviously everybody looked at the Austria game and thinking that we'd get the three points and then that would give us the seven that everybody was looking for. But I still think we've we still sit second in the group and you know, Austria need to go away to Israel next. I know everybody's saying we've got a tough camp tough um free fixtures next against Denmark, Moldova, Austria Austria. But Austria need to go to Israel away. And the last time Austria went to Israel away they get beat four two. And you can't tell me that I don't you that Israel may take points off other teams. I, I think they're better than what people think. I think they're such a threat going forward. I actually think they're more of a threat going forward than our Austria, if the Austria didn't have the big centre forward, if I'm honest. Um, so I think if we actually get five points for the next three games, we could find ourselves sitting second again. Um, and that's probably worst case scenario f- for everybody looking at it. Can we forget all about uh, first place, do you think, Jordan, in the group with Denmark getting off to this incredible start, 14-0 over the three games um, and they've already played Austria and Israel away from home uh, and they've got maximum. Is it is it basically, I mean, the league, the table at the moment would tell you there's one point between Scotland, Israel and Austria. Is that the way it's going to be, do you think, scrapping for that second spot? I think, as I say, I'm, I'm clearly an optimist after last night, but I don't see any reason why we shouldn't be. Do you know what I mean? If, if we show up, we shouldn't be there comfortably. Um, I think, like you say, Clark's got them playing a certain way. He's, he's getting the time to actually implement a system. So even though there is a gap in between the squads coming together, the message stays the same. And everyone should know their job. And that's the sign of a good team as anyone can they know exactly what's expected of them. So I don't see any reason why not. We always look at opposition teams, don't we? And we pluck out a name, likes of Zahavi of Israel, just because of his scoring record, naturally. I think he's now got 19 in his last 22 internationals. I mean, it's, it's just a, a remarkable scoring rate. We, we look at the star players in the opposition. Do you think people are looking at Scotland at the moment and there's a certain element of fear about facing up to someone like Kieran Tierney? Well, listen, we've got two of the best left-backs going, or left-sided players going, in Tierney and Robertson. That goes without saying. But John McGinn has got 10 goals for Scotland. Yep. And see if he plays in that further forward role, how effective is he? And everybody, especially when we're going into that, a Euros against England, they'll all know about him down there from uh, excelling at Aston Villa. 
So I, I think in those three players we've got a real top quality trio there that we can build it around. For, and for McTominay, I would say as well. McTominay as well, of course. I think he's United. such a driving force to start attacks. For yeah. me, you can see the pace and the quality. Really, two strong midfielders there, McGinn and McTominay. Just, just talking about John McGinn. Uh, here's his thoughts on, on where he plays. If I had the choice, uh, I think every player would tell you they want to be up scoring goals, but. Feels as if I can play both. If, if the manager decides tonight's uh, more suited to playing further forward and, and getting chances, then um, I'm happy to play either role. I think we're very lucky to have plenty of options in those positions, so um, as long as I keep my jersey, I'll be happy. He is a, an exciting player, isn't he? And, that, and, and that's 10 Scotland goals in, what, 18 months, I think, now? Yeah, it's 10, and, 10 and 18 appearances yeah. when Steve Clarks took over. So that yeah. just shows you. As much as people say they wanted me to play defensively and attacking, he scored 10 goals when Steve Clarks took over. Um, and that's not even including the assists either, yeah. Simon. He yeah. is quality he's, player, oh, he's isn't he? Fabulous player. So strong as well. Rolls players. That's why I, li- I like to see him round about the opposition box. He's so, so threatening. So, Jordan, uh, full of optimism uh, and we're full of uh, admiration for you as well in that uh, in that prediction last night. So we'll be hearing from you, I'm sure, plenty uh, between now and then. And obviously we'll be listening to you very closely when it comes to that Czech Republic game, the opening game of the Euros, because you will have uh, you will have your score prediction ready for that one, won't you? Oh, easy. I knew worries at all. George, <laughs> uh, can I ask Jordan a question? Yeah, just... what, what would he like to see uh, formation-wise for, against Czech Republic? Uh, like I said, I I think that uh, I know the qualifiers may be a bit different and stuff like that. But what, why not why not go out attacking? Why not actually take the game to them? Like see, we've we've got Premier League quality players, and we've got players who maybe aren't Premier League level, but the experience is there as well. So why not take the game to them and see if we can get a bit more attacking? Okay, good to hear from you. Thanks, Magic. Cheers, Cheers, Jordan, who Bye-bye. called it right uh, on the show last night. 4-0, Scotland against Pharaoh. Scott Brown's been talking today. The Celtic skipper, of course, is on the way out. He'll be leaving in the summer, heading for a new role at uh, Aberdeen. He's up next. The Go Radio Football Show. Download the Go Radio app to listen live weeknights from five. Chris with the travel, thanks for that. And uh, this is the Go Radio Football Show for a Thursday night. Looking ahead to Scottish Cup weekend. Uh, looking back on Scotland 4, Faroes nil. That felt good last night. Yes, it was the Faroes. Uh, and yes, it was a really impressive Scotland performance as well. And we're unbeaten. That's a good line, isn't it? After three games of the World Cup qualifying campaign. All about uh, looking forward to the Euros now but we're talking lots of other football stories as well tonight more noise surrounding Eddie Howe and the prospect of the former Bournemouth manager being the new Celtic manager is that going to happen is that what you want to happen uh, on the back of uh, Celtic's head of football operations having quit yesterday that's Nicky Hammond um He's not head of recruitment, that's not his title, but he does head up the football department and I guess he took ultimate responsibility for the signings uh, that came in, uh, be be they temporary or permanent at Celtic and so many of them, of course, have not happened. So Peter Lowell's gone, Nicky Hammond's gone, Neil Lennon's gone, Scott Brown is going, uh, big changes on the way at Celtic. What would you like to see? What sort of structure uh, and the names in the frame? Who would you like to see as a director of football, as the head coach? There's lots 
lots to be sorted out. Rangers have sorted out today the immediate future of goalkeeper Alan McGregor. He's signed a new deal, another season with Rangers, which will take him to his uh, through his 40th birthday. Uh, but he's still doing pretty well at 39, isn't he? Pulling off incredible saves. And I guess uh, Celtic looking across the city pretty enviously uh, because they haven't managed to uh, find <coughs> a goalkeeper out of uh, their trio this season. Rangers have got a, a very good one in Alan McGregor. Let's be having your thoughts on the Go Radio Football Show on the socials at Go Football Show. You can text GO and your message to 87474 and the phone number is 0808 17 17 700. Rob McLean, Chris Burke, Simon Donnelly in the studio and on the line, Mark and Newton Mearns. Hi, Mark. Hi, Rob. How you doing? Yeah, I'm well, thanks. How are you? I'm good, thank you. What would you like to talk about? Um, just a couple of things I was going to talk about. Scott Brown um, going to Aberdeen at the end of the season and uh, the kind of Scotland formation. <clears throat> OK, let's start with uh, Scotland, then we'll move on to Scott Brown. What did you What did you reckon to last night and where where, where do we stand, do you think, in, in that qualification process? Well, I think obviously the Austria result and the Israel result were both really disappointing. We would have hoped to all nine points from that but um, as for us at the moment we're dealing with five points from the available nine we're still sitting second in the group which isn't too bad I suppose but um, I just think that sometimes our formation has kind of killed us in the first two games um, we're too static in midfield and I think we need to try and get uh, maybe McGinn and Armstrong with uh, McTominay in behind as the middle three I just think that um We've so far not played the best formation that would be been available to us, and I was just wondering what Simon and, and Chris thought of that. Is formation uh, as important as it's uh, made out to be? Uh, whether it's a back three, back four, it's always, it's always important to a, to an extent. Uh, depends about how you go about your business as well. I mean, McTominay was stepping into the midfield last night, playing passes. Burke's touched on the two left siders. I mean, Tierney was playing you would class as a left centre-back. It was taking guys on an outside left position mm. and, and comes up with assists for the goals. I think it's just how you def- how you approach the game. We started with two strikers, which I like. You know, uh, how many times did we watch Scotland with a, a single striker up there foraging about, you know... Isolated. Isolated at times and, and doing his shift. But I, I, liked, I, liked the, I liked the way we went about the game last night. I know it was against the Pharaohs, but we get the four goals and many times do you see t- teams come and sit in and, and frustrate and, and we've been we've experienced it you know in, in recent times as well as a nation but yeah I was happy with the approach I, I, I'm not too overly concerned in shapes I like to see attacking players uh, and I think just to go back to what the last caller said I think if we if we go for it a wee bit more we can we can threaten teams I really do I think we've got enough in that midfield area particularly the two guys on the left are a threat albeit they're classed as defenders they are a threat uh, and now that we've got Adams in there you know I think we can do okay There was something of the freestyle about Scotland wasn't there last night in, in, in the way that Kieran Tierney was operating Yeah no, I think we were all optimistic and loved watching the game and loved to see attacking play and all as many attacking players as Simon said on the pitch and I'm sure Mark wants to see more attacking players on the pitch I think that's what uh, Mark's talking about a little bit static in midfield he's probably feeling that there's probably an extra defensive midfielder in midfield which then doesn't give a an attacking sense player in midfield coming in instead um, 
with he likes he said he just wants Armstrong in there and I actually thought Armstrong would have maybe have started um, Simon yeah. and probably Mark <clears throat> wanted him to start as well just because he runs in behind without the ball mm. it's great but Again, it's so difficult in that midfield for Scotland because we're really, really blessed, aren't we? And we're not even talking about Ryan Jack yet. He was out of the squad yeah. and he was ever present as well before he even got injured. David, um, David Turnbull. We've got yeah, David Turnbull is not even not even really made Steve Clark's squad. And Billy, Billy Gilmore. Yeah, we've got Billy Gilmore. Yep. So again, yep. I know what Mark's saying. We want to be more attacking. We want to take the game to the teams um, that we're playing against, especially at home. But I think because the first goal is so important, if you lose the first goal at international level, I think it's really difficult to get the three points. Um, so maybe sometimes playing, you know, that extra defensive midfielder in our midfield helps um, to then come into the game. What's screaming out now, Mark, at the moment, is that Scotland have got choices. I mean, we were bemoaning um, for so long, weren't we, that we didn't really have a striker. Um, we didn't have central defenders. Now we've, we've, we're, we're choosing uh, between two or three strikers uh, and we've got a, a pool of, of central defenders who seem to understand and are able to implement uh, Stevie Clark's system. Yeah, absolutely. Um, I think it's um, Shea Adams looks like a player, um, so that's encouraging. I think um, I think Dykes... Um, for all they did good uh, towards the end of the European campaign there, I'm not sure he's the standard that, that Adams is at, and I would probably be more inclined to to have Adams um, as, as my main focal point in the attack. Um, I was also kind of wondering what the guys thought about the captaincy. Um, I like Andy Robertson a lot, and he's obviously achieved incredible things in the game, but Tierney to me just seems captain material as far as He's just he's desiring his will to win, and he's just general um, attitude in the game. He seems more, he seems like the kind of guy that would that would give someone a, a kick up the backside when necessary. Whereas Andrew Robertson doesn't seem like that guy. Maybe he is, but I'm just I'm just calling it the way I see it from the outside. And I think maybe Tierney is probably a better choice for captain of Scotland than, than Robertson. Yeah, uh, Mark, I, I get what you're saying, um, but. You need to re- realise how damaging that would be to take a captaincy right. off of Andy Robertson yep. and give it to Kieran Tierney. Already then you're disrupting a camp that's already happy yep. and positive. And I totally agree, you know, I don't think we've just got one captain in that team, no. Rob, Simon and Mark. I think we've got leaders and captains yep. in that group. You know, you could talk Tierney, you could talk Robertson, you could talk future McTominay, you know, you could McGinn. talk McGinn, yeah. you could talk McGregor, who's a Celtic captain. Um, you could go, the list goes on and on, and that's not even the ones that are starting the match. You know, you've got Armstrong as well, that's coming off the bench as well, that's that's got captain leadership. Um, so that's what I like to see, see in the Scotland squad, and I think that could help us maybe get results where people are maybe not expecting um, in the future. Mark, I know it was a, a two-part question and your your second part concerned uh, the Celtic <coughs> captain, uh, Scott Brown, the outgoing Celtic captain who's been talking today, previewing uh, the Scottish Cup at the weekend and talking, obviously, about his uh, upcoming departure for Aberdeen. I got offered another year at Celtic, so it was plain... It, it was a hard situation now because it would have to be sit and wait to the end of the season, see who comes in. For me, to have that fresh start with somebody that I know I trust and I respect maybe sitting in a Celtic to the end of the season not sure 
what to do or who's coming in. I think that kind of played on my mind as well. But as I say, it's going to be a sad time when I do leave, but it's been fantastic as well. I've enjoyed every single moment of it. Winning trophies, winning games, playing in front of some fantastic fans as well. Yeah, it's the end of an era, isn't it? He's uh, he's made a habit out of lifting up silverware, that's for sure. Mark, what would you like to say about Scott Brown? I think he's been a phenomenal captain. Um, he's been a phenomenal captain and a phenomenal player for us. Um, I just I just think this season's been just one season too too too, too far for him. Um, I know that obviously it's not just been him. A lot of the players have let us down and the signings have been appalling, but. Um, I just, I just feel that. Um, Do you think it's time up? Do you think no. it was time up anyway for him? Yeah, yeah, I think it was. Um, but I, I kind of wish that he'd been kept at the club in some sort of coaching capacity, to be honest, because um, I think he's got a lot to teach uh, younger players. So um, I'm sure he'll do great at Aberdeen. I think that's probably what most people assumed as well, wasn't it? That, that Scott Brown had been so long at Celtic and he, he'd already started on the coaching ladder that that would just continue and he would get more and more prominence in a coaching role uh, as he faded out uh, as a player. And it's interesting to hear what he said there because he was dropping a pretty heavy hint that part of the decision-making process for him hinged on the, the uncertainty about uh, who was going to be the next manager and what, what the structure was going to be, where Celtic are going next and, and and as that was all going on he thought well I, I've got to make up my mind here Yeah well I suppose I can understand that as well the, the, the club probably didn't make the decision or maybe made the decision easy for him by their lack of um, communication with him or something you know What what did you make of uh, what Scott Brown said there Simon? <clears throat> uh, well it's the first I've, I've heard him actually saying that Celtic had, had offered him a, a year's uh, contract I did think at the time when the speculation was coming out round about the Aberdeen move I did think you know that did suggest that he didn't know what was going to be happening moving on at Celtic and maybe that influenced his decision I think the guy's earned whatever decision he wants to make you know he's been a fantastic servant leader captain for Celtic he sees this as a new chapter me with my Celtic hat on I would have liked to see him stay in some capacity I still think he's got stuff to offer as a player you know he might not play every week but you've got younger guys there that are coming through your Turnbulls that have just came to the club uh, to bounce off somebody with his experience I think would have been superb uh, for his development but I understand at the same time it's a, it's a fresh chapter for him I think it's an exciting move by Aberdeen uh, to appoint Stephen Glass and, and, and Bruni I think uh, it's ambitious and I think the Aberdeen fans will love him I know he's been up there and it's been one of those kind of love to hate characters but I think once he goes up there and applies himself the way he does I think the Aberdeen fans will love him So so Mark basically Chris is celebrating Scott Brown's career at Celtic mm-hmm. rightly so uh, but reckoning that, that you know, his time as a player w- was coming to an end but, but surprised that, that he's not going to be utilised in a coaching capacity is that the way you saw it unfolding? No, I was surprised and shocked like the rest of everybody hearing that uh, he went, he's going to Aberdeen to be a player coach. Um, it's interesting to hear obviously people saying that he thought that maybe their, his time was up at Celtic and it's time to move on etc. But for me, maybe being a little bit biased being an older player, I just think you're better than having Scott Brown playing still at the club even though be it, it's maybe 20 games. I think that's still more beneficial than him leaving. Um it talks about him signing one. He'd be offered a one-year deal. I don't understand why Celtic didn't match it. 
and say you can have your two year deal with a coach and all after that etc because I think you can still play another just 20 games 20 starts Simon the, the second yep. season as well that's again going to be beneficial to the football club to the young co- the young players like your tumbles and there's for going, Celtic going to be as well such, there's going to be such a huge transition at Celtic as well to, to have somebody like that still in the dressing room I know you've got McGregor you've still got Forrest there that have been through this camp this successful period with Celtic he was a leader and, and for guys coming into the club and wanting to know what Celtic's all about I thought he'd have been the, the, the prime candidate to be still in that dressing room I, I just wonder if there was maybe some confusion at the club though at the moment because all everything's changing Peter Lowell's on the way out Dominic Mackay is on the way in as Chief Executive Officer um, they're, they're still deciding on, on potentially a Director of Football head coach so were they able to make that decision maybe to match Aberdeen's two-year offer or, or you know, they were caught in a, in a state of flux almost, uh, a period of transition and they couldn't actually make Scott Brown the offer he was after? Yeah, but they should have, I think. I think if, if a club like Aberdeen can offer him a two-year deal and think he's got something to offer um, long-term as well, even beyond that, I think Celtic should have done the exact same thing. He mentioned that. Um, in his press conference but what he also mentioned is he trusts Stephen Glass um, which then s- s- lets me think to myself well does he not trust what's happening at Celtic um, yeah. even though they've just offered <clears throat> him a one year deal yeah. he trusts Stephen Glass over what's happening at Celtic at this moment in time there's a, bit, a lot of uncertainties as you've just said there Rob so maybe that was a huge huge factor in his decision Lots of questions at the moment Mark about about your club um, a lot of noise about Eddie Howe at the moment uh, do, do you think do you have a feeling he's going to be the new man is he the man you want as manager? I would take Eddie Howe certainly I think um, he would be a great appointment I know that um, the only the only um, kind of doubt it would be the, his ability to handle big finances not that we have that at our disposal right enough but at Bournemouth no one can question what he did there bringing them up through the leagues and how, how good they were for, for a few seasons in the Premiership but when he was given big money to spend um, it wasn't spent well or the, the signings didn't turn out well so I just I just hope he's got an eye for a player in the budget that you're going to be operating at Um I suppose that's more the scout. That's more the scouting guys that are that are responsible for that, you know. Yeah, and Celtic looking now for a new head of football operations as well, with with Nicky Hammond, uh, Chris Burke yeah. on the way out. Yeah, Mark, it's just interesting to see. Obviously, you're saying that Eddie Hill can, you know, manage finances well. You know, I I, 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 I disagree with you in a sense because you know you look at Aki, who they got for Chelsea for twenty. 20 million just over 20 million um, look where he is now um, and he sold him for more money you've got Mings as well who's now an England internationalist who they spent for 10 million and I think that's a snippet uh, you've got Young Brooks as well who's 10 million who's a great prospect for the future so he can he can then look for the future of Celtic uh, albeit he's been injured but he's coming back now and then you've got Wilson he got from Coventry for 3 million um, oh, he's, he's worth more than that now and gets sold for more than that um, to Newcastle so Callum Wilson, yeah. I do think that he can manage finances well I, I've actually watched a documentary on him where how much important player ID is to him um, and how much detail goes into you know looking at a player and is he right fit for the football club um, personally as well uh, so I do think that he can manage a club like Celtic and he'll be very, very thorough um, in the recruitment side of it. 
Is he the right fit for Celtic? What do you think? Uh, we're going to find out, I guess, in the coming days and weeks. Uh, hopefully from Mark, because uh, you'll want this settled as soon as possible, I'm sure. Thanks for your call, Mark. Good to hear from you. Thanks, Rob. Cheers, Thanks. guys. Thanks, All the best. Cheers, that was Mark, uh, who had thoughts on Scotland last night and on Celtic, the uh, impending departure of Scott Brown. Get involved in the football conversation. 0808 17 17 700. The Go Radio Football Show. Download the Go Radio app to listen live weeknights from five. Thursday's edition of the football show Glasgow's own Go Radio. Uh, Monday to Friday, five till seven. Uh, we just love talking football. Uh, it's just like being in the pub, really, uh, without a pint. Yeah. Uh, we'll try to sort that, but uh, we'll see what we can do. We should do that one time, Robert. We should just <laughs> live drunk and then live just from talk the pub. rubbish. Just to relax Even us more. a little. Yeah. yeah, that's what we need. Absolutely. Uh, before the break, we were talking, of course, about Scott Brown. He's been talking today, uh, the Celtic captain, about leaving Celtic. It's going to be hugely emotional for him, isn't it? I've had 14 fantastic years at this club. I've enjoyed every single moment of it. Even some women have been getting beat as well but you take that in your stride and it's been a wonderful career for myself I've enjoyed the moments with the fans and it's just a pity that I can't share the last five or six games with the fans and see them in the stadium because they've been a part of my journey as much as I've been a part of theirs so it's, it's been great it's, it'll be emotional times when I do eventually finish the last game of the season He's been, Simon Donnelly a winning machine hasn't he? He's been brilliant you know his career's been brilliant uh, came in as a a roving midfielder covering every blade of grass has developed into managing the game as as the years go on uh, developing into a great captain for the club you know I've met him a few times over the years uh, he actually came down to our, our football camp last year just to measure the guy can he, can he do enough to help you but a fantastic servant for Celtic and really developed into the captain's role over the, the period and what a successful period as well. You know, his trophy haulage is incredible. I think he's misunderstood as well, isn't he, by people uh, who just take what they see on the pitch and, and that's what they decide he is as a person. <laughs> but uh, they couldn't really be much further from the truth, Chris. No, totally. You're right in saying that, Rob. He is the opposite of what he is in a football field Simon will tell you the same um, such a, a likeable character off the field yep. um, uh, very respectful um, but as soon as he crosses that white line he just wants to win you can see that and he'll do anything possible to win even if it's noising up the opposition and stuff like that but there'll be great memories of you know iconic moments for Celtic the way I think there was a time where it was him and Juff together yep. remember yep. Um, I think there's times obviously even Kent punched him I think and didn't even get sent off at that time as well you know there's great great moments in, in Scott Brown's you know wearing that badge but what I liked about him is he showed so much loyalty to the club hasn't he you know you could talk about the times that he had opportunities to go to the Premier League I'm, I'm sure he has yeah. done and he's not went he's stayed with Celtic um, to win trophies and that's why for me you know arguably as one of the most decorated Scottish players in history Rob just because yeah. of, of what he's what he's achieved I think it's like 28 games one trophy um, some people don't even see a trophy in a lifetime yeah. um, and that's under a season he's winning a trophy so I can't speak highly enough of him at the, at the start I said he was borderline irreplaceable on the field for Celtic just because how much do they want to spend to replace him Simon and he is irreplaceable off the field uh, it's just how much will he cost will, will a player cost to get him replaced I just 
I can, you're talking 30 million for me yeah. just because of the... And you probably can't, as you say, you probably can't directly replace him in terms of all he gives to Celtic. Not not just as a player, but the effect that he has mm-hmm. in the club, in the dressing room, on the players roundabout. Yeah, of course. And Aberdeen are getting that as well. They're not just getting the player. You know, they're getting that that maturity, yep. that man. Full that, package. Yeah, they are. Yep. Um, so Aberdeen, that, that's a question. Is that signing of the season already? Yeah, before the season's even started, Rob. It's a massive uh, coaching opportunity, of course. That's the way Scott Brand sees it. It'll be a new, fresh start for myself as well, and it's something that I've looked to get into. I'm really looking forward to the, the challenge next season, helping out with Stephen and the backroom staff as well, but also playing as well. So I, I get to learn to see how budgets work, how to, how you work with the boardroom and stuff like that, <coughs> and how you prep training and all that, and. It's the the road that I want to go down and let's be honest, I'm not getting any younger so it's a good chance to learn. Right, that's scaring me a bit now. Scott Brown in the boardroom and uh, <laughs> I'm, looking, I'm looking at the financial <laughs> figures. Whoa, now wait a minute. I can't quite see him in the pinstripe suit. No, I don't see him in that. I think the, the, the fact that he can still play, I think he'll play as lot. It's such a difficult one to... I've seen guys over the years try to play and manage but the fact that Stephen Glass is going to be the the number one figure there it might help Scott I think Scott's role initially will be to influence the the squad by Mm -hmm. what he brings to training what he brings to the games his leadership skills and he will learn the other side of it as he goes alongside Stephen Glass as I said earlier on I think it's an ambitious one it's an exciting one if I was an Aberdeen fan I'd be excited by this Uh, they obviously have a a few quid to spend as well They'll, they'll bring in new players and it'll be real interesting to see how they how they develop. But for, for Scott, I see it, he's earned the right to go and make that decision. But I can tell from there, I, I know he had little bits of coaching at Celtic with the youth yeah. a few years back, but I, I still think he's got the hunger to play. I think this has influenced his, his move as well. He's got the hunger to still play on a Saturday. I and agree with Simon there. I think he'll just be managing the group um, in the changing room, yeah. on the training field. And that's management within itself. That's, yeah, of course it is. That's deli- that Stephen Glass is, you know, that's real intelligent play from him because he then doesn't need to manage the changing room as well as coaching the team. Yeah. Um, and also, he'll be creating that healthy culture, as you said. They'll, they'll all respect as well. I mean, albeit some of them will probably have had run-ins with Scott over the years <laughs> playing, yeah. like, no doubt, but they'll respect him. What he's achieved in the game here in Scotland, the, the, the respect will be there instantly. Once he walks in that dressing room. It's funny because I was doing my A-licence assessment and he was just starting his and he was coming off the field and I'm doing my my A-licence assessment. Serious stuff. And he's shouting on the pitch, all right, Berkey, how are you? Are you getting on all right? And I'm like, yeah, I'm doing fine. I'm doing fine. And Parky's shouting at me, um, the SFA coach, <laughs> right, come on, Berkey, let's go on. You, your time's running out here. Yeah, yeah. It just shows you the, the, the man that he is. So it was just funny. So I'm sure, you know, he'll qualify for all his badges and he'll do it the right way as well. And you're saying he's worked with Celtic already. So I've no doubt he'll, in the future, will he be back at Celtic as being a Celtic manager? Yeah, absolutely. That that would be a, a fair old guess further down the line. At the moment, of course, heading for Aberdeen. And, and that move, of course, stems from his relationship with Stephen Glass, the manager, uh, who, of course, uh, was a teammate of Scott Brand's at Hibs. I know Stephen very, very well. Going to be a fantastic coach. He's, he's a great friend as well. I've spoke with him and Dave a lot recently. And now it's about building a partnership up, making sure we set the foundations correct at the football club and and push on from there because Aberdeen's a great football club. I've had some great 
battles up there and they've, they've played some great football over the years as well. So I'm looking forward to that challenge. Scott Brown will have had to be satisfied in all those talks he's had recently with Stephen Glass and with Dave Cormack, the Aberdeen chairman, that Aberdeen are, are, are not just signing Scott Brown, they're building up uh, to be a whole lot better than they've been over the last couple of years because otherwise Scott Brown wouldn't want to be there, you would imagine, Chris Burke. Uh, well, it's a progression, isn't it? It looks as if they've started afresh. You know, Derek McInnes has left and they've wanted to go on down a different route now and I think they've showed intent. That's a great thing for me that Aberdeen have showed, I think. You know, Stephen Glass, an upcoming manager. Um, then you've got Scott Brown, who knows the league, knows every player. And you need to look at it as well, actually thinking about it. Is he going to be part of the recruitment side just because he knows the league that well yep. and who, who, to, to, who to get in the door? Um, but the very fact he's there will bring players to Aberdeen. Yeah, of course I mean, he, as well. He's, yeah. a, he's a massive selling point, he is. isn't he? If Scott Brown thinks Aberdeen are going in the right direction, mm-hmm. then that's going to bring other players there as well, like a magnet, you would imagine. Of course, you know, that's a great pull, isn't it, when they, they know that Scott Brown's the first signing for the football club. It's a bit easier then to get the second signing, the third signing, the fourth signing, when they know that a high-calibre player and now coach of Scott Brown's already there, it'll be a bit easier to pull that player in as Dave Cormack will, you know, put the contract on the table for that player to come to Aberdeen and when you see that Scott Brown's already there and they know what the vision they want to be at the football club to then make that easier for that player to make that choice. There will be doubters among the fans, but, uh, well, he's dealt with that before, hasn't he? I had to win over the fans at Easter Road, coming through as a young lad. I had to win over the fans at Celtic as well, and I'm sure there'll be in both uh, sets of fans. There'll be some players, uh, some of them maybe don't like the way I play, but that's part and parcel of football. You, you can't please everybody. But I will, wherever I go, whoever I play for, give 110% on the park give a lot in the training ground as well and I'll always do what's best for the football club. And Simon, he's never really bothered too much about popularity, has he? No, I did a, I did a podcast the other day with, with, and with Stylian Petrov on he was talking about coming up against him when he was at Hibs and how much he pest and how much it was in his face trying to antagonise him, trying to put him off his game and how it lifted Stan's game, you know, because they came up against each other so much and that just, for me, epitomises what he's all about, you know, we talk about his persona off the pitch and on the pitch, but that character on the pitch, he's a, an absolute winner. So he goes to Celtic and the way he goes about his business wins over everybody at Celtic and that's what he'll do at Aberdeen. You know, everything, all that antagonising and gameplay and, and the stuff that he's had up against Aberdeen over the year, it'll be forgotten about because of how Scott Brown goes about his business on the pitch. He, he'll deliver for, for Aberdeen and as I said earlier, he'll become a huge favourite, I'm sure of He's going to be a big plus for Aberdeen, you would imagine. Is he going to be a big minus for Celtic? What do you think? We've got another hour of football chat on the way after the news at six. Feel the heat of the game, the crunching tackles, the near misses and diving headers. Feel the drive from the sidelines. Feel the passion of your captain. Feel the celebrations. Feel the last-minute heartache and the penalty save that changes everything. Feel the heat of the game from the comfort of your own home with OPC Energy Limited. For more information on heat pump servicing and breakdowns, renewable energy and more, visit opc-ltd.uk. 
The Go Radio Football Show. Download the Go Radio app to listen live weeknights from five. It's good to have you with us and lots to talk about on the football front as ever. Uh, is it ever any other way? Tonight, uh, well, just before the news, uh, we were talking about Scott Brown, who himself has been talking today about leaving Celtic after 14 glittering years with the club and uh, the lifting of so many trophies. He's become a weightlifter in football, hasn't he? Because he's lifted uh, so much silverware in that time and he's Aberdeen bound at the end of the season. Who's going to be incoming at Celtic, though, as the new head coach? Is it going to be Eddie Howe? Uh, lots of talk about him at the moment. And, uh, well, we seem to have been talking about Eddie Howe for months in terms of that Celtic job. Is it finally uh, going to be his, that big job uh, on the other side of the city from Stephen Gerrard? We will find out. Nicky Hammond have, has gone, of course, from Celtic as uh, their head of uh, football operations. So it is all change, but no change at Rangers because they have re-signed Alan McGregor. He is with Rangers for another season at least. It will take him past his 40th birthday. Uh, but maybe he's going to be there even longer than that as a player. And maybe beyond that, uh, you know him, Chris Burke. Um, is he going to be a goalkeeper coach at Rangers? Would would he turn to coaching when he eventually stops playing, do you think? You just never know with Alan McGregor. I love listening to him in his interviews because he's just so he just says it how it is, isn't it? Yeah. See when he saved that shot, and I think he got interviewed after, and he says, "I just stuck my hand out and I saved it, and that was it." And I know. then after he said, "I'll be a great coach, won't I?" So, but listen, I think he's got a vast amount of knowledge about the game. You don't become, you don't play at that level for as long as he has done and improved as he gets older. I know that I know a lot of people say you improve as you get older as a goalkeeper, but his flexibility and his agility seems to improve year in year out. Um, and since he's been to Rangers so yeah he could be a coach I think he could I think the he'd keep it simple wouldn't he, he would, uh, listen, judging by his interviews just keep it out of the back of the net that's yeah. what you do isn't it but you can see he hates letting goals in no matter if the team's winning 4-0 or it's at 0-0 he just hates that ball going in the back of the net and you need that little bit of desire and that edge uh, to help you become the best and help, help, help you to become the best at playing at that level for that amount of time and that's been one comparison hasn't it for Celtic fans this season that has been really painful Simon Donnelly looking across the city and seeing the sort of form he's in Alan McGregor and it's a position that, that Rangers just don't have to worry about one iota whereas Celtic haven't been able to get it right all season long in goals No it's been a problem position for Celtic obviously they bring in the new guy Barkas for quite a bit of cash and it, it, it hasn't worked out and they, they chop and change and they don't have the stability at the back uh, with the number one jersey whereas it's it's the polar opposite at, at Rangers uh, McGregor's been fantastic he's, he's stepped up in the big games against Celtic as well but yeah. I mean as a as a defence I think they've only conceded what is it nine or ten goals in the campaign it's ridiculous I think it went to double figures didn't it against Celtic yeah, maybe ten against Celtic ten, yeah. so I mean, I played with, with Griggs at Dunfermline. He's, he's the best I've played with in terms of goalkeeper. Uh, and he's, he's a winner as well. I remember playing him at bloody table tennis at lunchtime <laughs> and he would hate, hate to lose that. And he, he takes that into, the, in, into his, his football. But to still be playing at the top of his game at 40, you know, that's, that's a hell of an achievement. Would you have liked to see him not retired? Imagine that. It's funny because somebody mentioned that to me recently. We've got some keepers there, but, you know, he's shown just now in Europe he can still play at the top level. You know, he's, he's he's producing to the point where Rangers have offered him another year at 40. It's an incredible yeah. achievement. And for him. I don't think he would have been short of offers either. 
uh, yeah. from other clubs no. going back down south or whatever no um, not you, when you're producing saves of that sort no, of quality exactly. that you've shown recently yeah. let's get Gary uh, in Castle Milk into the conversation hi Gary Hello, how are you doing? Hi, Chris. Hi. Hi, Gary. Hi, Gary. Good to have you on the show. Uh, what are you thinking about uh, Alan McGregor signing up for another season at Rangers? Well, I was a wee bit dubious at first, you know, about being April the 1st and what I ordered. Rangers, come on, don't do that. But uh, no, I'm absolutely elated. I mean, the guy's, the guy one is probably 15 to 20 points this season himself, you know what I mean? Um, I don't know if John McLaughlin, is it McLaughlin? Yeah, yeah John McLaughlin, yeah. I, I, I mean, he got guy with some keeper at the start of the season, you know. I, I can't lay a bad finger on him. He's done everything right. But, I mean, McGregor, to do that for so long, for so many years, to see that today, my birthday's this month, so it's just made my month. That's all I wanted. <laughs> An early birthday <laughs> present. Yeah, Gary. Oh, definitely. Gary, I would like to ask you, would you say he's the greatest of all time, compare, comparing to the likes of Andy Gorham? Other Rangers oh. goalkeepers, what would you put that down in, in a bracket? Oh, wow, I mean, it's a hard one. Uh, t- talk about your fine margins. <laughs> yeah, I know. <laughs> Personally, I've seen more of McGregor in my lifetime. I mean, I did catch the end of uh, tail end of Gorham, but uh, for me, hands down, Alan McGregor just in the big games, the saves he pulls off. I mean, I'm still talking to people about that Europa League save. Not, yeah. I mean, it's. It just shouldn't have happened that one, should it? Known as that save. <laughs> no, I know. I, still, I still think it went in. I, I yeah. watched the goal and I'm like, oh no. And then I'm like, wait a minute, he had to grab that. So I think, I, I, I think, think I, yeah, I think, I think most people Gary had the same reaction, didn't they? The minute that the that the the opposition player, the Antwerp player, got his head on it and made such good contact with it and powered it down in low at the corner, you thought that, it was in, yeah. That, the, uh-huh. the, the player actually thought it yeah. was in and the whole uh-huh. team thought it was in yeah. it was the only person that probably believed that he could save it was Alan McGregor I just stuck out my hand yeah I just and stuck I out my hand and I kept out of the net I kept out of the net that's Happy it days. yeah <laughs> I, I, loved it. I loved his interview was it the Hamilton game as well yeah. when Rangers dropped points at Hamilton yeah. uh, his interview afterwards I mean he, clearly he has to be dragged screaming in front of the camera to actually do an interview in the first place because he, 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 you can tell he can't actually be bothered with it um, but when he does stand up it's just really blunt isn't it yeah. from him um, but you know he just hates not winning or, or hates losing as well and you, you have to imagine and Chris you'll know about this mm-hmm. uh, you know that must have an amazing effect on, on players around the, that he has that sort of winning mentality yeah well I said at the start of the show you know Stephen Gerrard says he brings great so much personality to the group and that personality is you know not wanting to lose uh, there's so much said about the game no matter how much quality you have no matter how much attributes you have as a player um, you could have all the talent in the world but you have to have that inside you where you do not want to lose and day in day out that's not just in a match I bet you he's like that Yeah, oh, I can guarantee because I've trained with him and played with him He's like that Monday to Friday as well. You need that though. You need guys like that in the dressing room to make sure the standards don't drop. We, yep. we just spoke about Bruni being another mm-hmm. classic one. McGregor, I can see being in a dressing room. I was with him at Dunfermline. It was a wee bit different. He was younger, so he, he, he probably didn't. It wasn't his vocal then. You know, he, he went about his his business on the pitch, but it wasn't his vocal. But I can see him being very vocal in that Rangers dressing yeah. room at forty. An experienced guy, making sure that standards don't drop. In training, never mind games. You can see how much this title means to him, you know, because he knows what it was. He knows what it's like mm. to win titles the first time, um, and see how much Rangers have struggled through, 
through the other the, the lower leagues and how much they've not won silverware and this one means so much to him. It's just been interesting to ask him is this probably the most important title he's ever he's ever won uh, for Rangers just because I think it is just the way he acts and the in the, in the games and in the training as you said in media I bet you the Rangers media hate him doing interviews <laughs> um, when he just tells everybody that, all this cannon. Yeah, that well, we're rubbish today that yeah. was just it <laughs> we need to do better I mean David Marshall has become a, a national hero uh, for Scotland but had Alan McGregor been available he would, he would have been the man wouldn't he what a, for Scotland what a decision that would have been for Steve Clark um, because David Marshall was playing well for his club um, you've also got Craig Gordon yep. you find him into the mix as well who people said they should have never let go Celtic should have never let him go mm. we're so we are blessed in the middle of the park and we're blessed in goalkeepers as well aren't mm. we mm-hmm. um, but you're right in saying that uh, would Alan McGregor be starting um, for Scotland if, if he he'd, he'd have to be wouldn't he with the form he's shown for Rangers you would, you would think so you would think so his form has not been beaten anywhere you know this season I mean, David Marshall's done great for us. Israel saving the penalty, and then I'm saying exactly the same as Chris. Last night you're watching uh, Craig Gordon pull out a fantastic yep. save in the first half at one 0 Great yep. save, and you're thinking all oh, that money that Celtic have spent and <laughs> keepers, and he was he was on the books. Yeah, yes. Yeah. Well, well, David David Marshall and, and Craig Gordon were both yeah. options. They had yeah. they had Craig Gordon, and David Marshall was available is, on, a, on a free is transfer. The thing they say, yeah. but. You look at that last night, you think Craig Gordon could still be. He, he almost won the cup for Hearts against Celtic, you know, with his yeah. performance. So we do, we're lucky that we have good goalkeepers, but Greg's, if McGregor was in that squad, he would he'd probably be playing. Gary, talking about international football, uh, what about Stephen Davis? Uh, 126 as of last night, Northern Ireland caps. He's, he's broken Peter Shilton's record. He's now the most capped UK men's footballer. Uh, it's inc- it's incredible, isn't it? I mean, talk about consistency. I mean, I remember uh, Davis's first stint at Rangers, and then to then go away, have the experience he's had, then come back and still be doing it at international level. I mean, as you were talking about there, Scott Brown. I mean, he's a guy that's retired to look after his uh, club career. Uh, so uh, along with many others, you know what I mean, which is totally understandable. But for Stephen Davis to just keep churning these out. I mean, how many times he's played for Rangers this year and then boom, straight away playing for Northern Ireland. So, I mean, you can only tip your hat to the guy. This is just phenomenal, phenomenal when he deserves it. And Chris Burke, you were around uh, when he, in his first spell at Rangers, weren't you? Yeah, I was. And he, he came in when I was still there. And it's probably one of the reasons why I had to leave Rangers because... Walter Smith played them on the right side of midfield because <laughs> they were that strong in the middle with, you know, they had, um, Pedro Mendes had Barry Ferguson um, and then you could play Nese or, you know, Lee McCulloch in the left or Kyle Lafferty or, you know, Novo. So, you know, I'd, I is this wasn't a painful, getting... A, is this a painful discussion? Yeah, no, 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 no listen. I, when, as soon as Stephen Davis walked in the door and I didn't know anything about him really, um, it was a great signing by Rangers because he, he is what he is when you watch him. He doesn't really lose the ball ever in training, never mind in a football match as well. His decision making is so key. Um, he's got great experience. He knows when to play the pass forward. He knows when to play the side. He knows when to keep it safe. He's he's like when I first came to Rangers, you know, in Scotland, a lot of people give the ball up easy, um, especially myself. <laughs> uh, I mean, all or nothing when I was when I was that age. But he was like a a modern. He was like a European style play, 
player um, but even though he wasn't European because he never gave the ball up easy mm. even if, if he was in a tight situation it would go out for a throw-in for his opposition etc um, so no, he's a fantastic player and what a servant he's been for Rangers Bill speaks highly of him if you listen to his interview um, Michael Bill. Yeah, um, he, he says, you know, he's, he's low maintenance but high output. Yeah. Um, and that's so true in what he's saying there, Rob. Yeah, that's, and I'm a, sure, that's a great description. I'm sure Gary would, ag- would agree with that. I think it's something like eight or nine international games for 10 seasons to achieve what he's achieved. And Gary raised a great, po- a great point there, um, saying that a lot of people have to retire to look after their body, but he's not done that. And then you include travel and everything, and yeah, and he's and he's thirty six years of age. Yeah, still going strong. Um, who would be your player of the season? Do you think up to this point, Gary? Well, for me, it's got to be Pritchie. Got to be man. Yeah, I kind of look by him. I mean, Tavernier, what a shift he's put in. I don't know if you'll ever see a right back with the kind of numbers again. Um, but for me personally, it's McGregor. Would Conor Goldson get a mention as well? I and I'll no lie, I was one of his doubters. I wanted him out, you know. I thought he always bottled it and so on, but nah, he's, this season, man, he's been a brick wall. He's been solid, so can he complain about him? You know what I mean? It's actually, he it's actually, it's actually, doubles. it's actually a difficult question to answer, yes. isn't it? Who, who's player? You know, who's Rangers player of the season, and by extension, who is Scottish player of the season? Because that that's the way it's going. That that's Rangers obviously dominate everyone's thinking in that respect. But but actually, to come down on one player is pretty difficult because immediately, probably four or five come to my mind. Simon, don't know about you. Yeah, just who we've went over. I think these guys have, have all did well. I, I, I would I would side with Gary, I think, and, and go with McGregor. Uh, just because his performances and coming up with, as the old cliche, coming up with big saves at the right mm-hmm. times. And I, th- I really feel he did do that because the only time that I thought Celtic had a chance was the turn of the year game. And he, he's produced a save at 0-0 that kept uh, Rangers on level terms and they ultimately go on to win the game in the second half and, and kill the league on that on that game so I would I would go with him edged ahead of, of the others what are you saying he saved it he said it was a, it was a by kick <laughs> he said it wasn't a corner that's right yeah, yeah. <laughs> it was a by kick no that's him isn't it he makes a wonder save and then demands the goal kick afterwards as well um, what about next season uh, with Rangers I know the Scottish Cup is coming up and it could be a League and Cup double uh, Gary for, for Stephen Gerrard uh, and company but I guess um, look Behind the scenes, there's there's a lot of looking forward to next season and and improving the squad even further uh, to make sure of getting through those Champions League qualifiers and getting into the, the Champions League proper. Are you pretty optimistic about the moves that have already been made and what is still to happen across the summer uh, as Rangers um, strengthen even further? Um, I'm so excited for next year. I mean... You know, it's been a long ten years to get us to this point. Um, you know, we've started the past couple of seasons with so much optimism, and then it's sort of faded, fizzled out towards the end. And then this season, they've managed to batter on through. So, I mean, Stevie G, he's not going to take lightly a shot at Champions League football next year. You know what I mean? And he's been back to the hilt so far. Um, I just hope we don't sell too many of our assets. I do think one or two may go, but I mean. Who knows with the Champions League money? He might just say, "Do you know what? I want this squad. I'm happy with it." Got it. Yeah, next season. 
Certainly, Barry Ferguson on this show has said he doubts whether Rangers will sell yeah, anybody unless they get that. a crazy offer. Yeah, I was just about to ask Gary, and he's saying he, he thinks that there will be one or two moving out. If he had to choose, Gary, who would you choose? Uh, I was actually on before. I was talking to, I think it was Barry and Sai, and I said, personally, and I mean, this is one not many people would agree with. For me, it would be Ryan Kent. And the only reason I would pick Ryan Kent is because he burns out so quick in the season because he's not got somebody to sort of push him on. I would get Scott Wright in now, so maybe that'll change things. But for, for me, and again, it's a hard, hard choice. I don't want to see him go, but if I had to pick one, it would be Ryan Kent, only due to consistency. I don't think uh, Stephen Gerald would be too keen to uh, see the back of Ryan Kent, to, to be honest, because he seems to have he dipped a little bit in the season. Other players were more prominent, uh, but he certainly recently come back to, to his best form, it seems. You name me any consistent winger, and I can tell you that. Chris Mark? No, definitely not. <laughs> I remember Union watching there. Chris in the Rangers <laughs> programme back in the day. Was it Blue Dream or something? Uh, that was what was it called? Blue Heaven. Don't Blue talk Heaven. about that. Blue Heaven. <laughs> he's, he's, he's still <laughs> watching. He's what, he watches those videos on a nightly basis. Let's get back to the Kent subject. Um, yeah, no. <laughs> I've still got it on VHS. <laughs> <laughs> VHS, brilliant. Um, yeah, no, the, the, Kent, the Kent scenario, listen, people say, yeah, it dips in and out. It's hard for a wide player to be consistent the whole season. Why? It really is, because you're de- you're you're determining on who passes you the ball. You, you're not a midfielder where you can go and always influence a game. There's certain games where you can't influence because you're you're structured to be in that position. Um, you have to stay in that position. You might not see the ball for five or six minutes. Um, you might only get the ball one time in eight or nine minutes, and then it's what you do with that. But again, creativity comes with, you know, sometimes you do lose it because you need the creativity players, don't you, Simon? You need the players that try and have I'm going to back you. Creativity is the hardest thing in football. Cre- creating goals, mm. creating chances. Yeah. It's the hardest thing. Or taking chances. Or taking chances. Yeah. Uh, but I think Kent, for me, is probably going down the same route as, as, as Burke. He's a p- potential match winner as well, though. You know, he can get that ball and do something that certain players on the team can't do. Well, you look at it, and the I European ties is probably him. the ones that have been the most influential for Kent. Yeah. Um, yeah. Where he's been really, really damaging for the opposition, hasn't he? Just because sometimes you have to play that counter-attacking style. Yeah, a different style, yeah. You know, when you play against teams in Scotland, you know, they're against, they're really, really de- defensive, they're deep, he's playing against two, maybe even three players. Um, they're tripling up on him, not just doubling up on him. Um, he still has to play that position, don't come out that position. Um, but then when he, he's got a bit of more freedom, Simon, when you play at European stage where other teams maybe don't respect you as much and they think they can still win the game, gives Kent more space and that's where you actually see him come to his own. And he was a key player, wasn't he, right at the start of the season? He scored Rangers' first goal of the season at Pataudry and he made a real statement, as Rangers did, uh, as they started to pull away from everybody else in the Scottish Premiership. Gary, thanks for your call. Thanks very much for having me, guys. Yeah, thanks, Gary. Good, good to have you on the show, Gary, in Castle Milk, talking about Rangers, really excited about what is coming next season. But, of course, Scottish Cup is coming at the weekend and Rangers will be setting out to try to win a League and Cup double. The Gory 
Radio Football Show. Download the Go Radio app to listen live weeknights from five. Good to hear from Scott on the show. Uh, Gary, I should say, we're going to be speaking to Scott shortly. Gary talking about uh, Alan McGregor's new contract at Rangers. He signed for another season. We've heard from Mark and from Jordan as well. Your calls uh, make the show on uh, Glasgow's own Go Radio on the football show Monday to Friday, five till seven. We've been talking, of course, and hearing from Scott Brown um, about his uh, departure from Celtic at the end of the season and joining up with Stephen Glass at Aberdeen. We're talking Scotland, of course, as well on the back of that 4-0 win last night at Hampden uh, against the Faroes. And it was John McGinn at the double and then two double figures for his country. Surreal, to be honest. It took me a while to get my first one. Um, but the manager here's given me brilliant licence to go and get forward and, and get in the box and when you've got the, the quality coming in for the wide areas it's um, it makes your job a, job a lot easier but hopefully it can continue really proud to get into double figures uh, I had my eye on it tonight before the game I had I was aware that I could get into double figures so um, hopefully I can, can carry it on and, and help the team some performance from uh, John McGinn um, I mean he's been outstanding for Aston Villa I'm sure the Villa fans reckon he's one of their best players and most consistent players um, and for Scotland well, he, he just feels uh, Chris Burke like a lucky charm yeah he does doesn't he and we talk about recruitment in Celtic and he had a chance to go to Celtic didn't he for how much just under £3 million yeah. Yeah. Um, and now he's at Villa and you try to upset Simon Donnelly here no no I'm just I'm <laughs> taking him back to I'm, that I'm signing that yeah, nearly yeah, happened I'm just letting him know yeah, yeah it's, it's an incredible one and one that you know you now look at Scott Brown moving on and I said at the time come in and be not only understudy but maybe play alongside him and then eventually take that role over it was it was made for him it was it made was. for him at Celtic but he's, he's on to pastures new and for us as a nation, brilliant to see him performing the way he is. I think he's going to be a real threat at the Euros. I hope I'm not jinxing him. Yeah, he's a terrific talent. And to get 10 goals, I'm, I'm trying to think midfielders for us getting that that return goals-wise. It's amazing, no, isn't it? Nobody's really springing to mind just now. But I, th- I think, are there, did, did I hear somebody saying that there are maybe only other there are only 15 other Scotland players not just midfielders right? but strikers wow. in, in history have got into so double a, figures. So. What an achievement and he's, he's still young. Yeah. You know, so I think he's going to be a real, a real good one for us. And that, that, but what you're saying there, Simon, that that must hurt Celtic fans. That not, not just John McGinn's ability to, to, to operate in midfield and uh, do all the dirty stuff, score goals as well. But, but as you hinted there, I mean, he's captain material. He could well have been the man to follow Scott Brown and and take on the armband. Maybe a more natural captain than Callum McGregor. He is, and I go back to a game, it was a few seasons back, Celtic Hibs, two each at Parkhead, I covered the game, and McGregor scored two, and McGinn scored two, and they were the best two players on the pitch, by a country mile, and I thought, the future of Scotland there, and possibly the future of Celtic, uh, but it wasn't nice to be, you know, and I took a wee bit of stick at the time, because I think people thought I was suggesting them to come in and replace Bruni, but I've I seen him playing alongside him, mm-hmm. and come and develop in his game under the experienced senior player in the team and I thought it would have been a perfect partnership in the middle of the park but it wasn't to be and I'm delighted to see John because we tried to get him at Dundee United as well way back I'm Mm. delighted to see him doing so well in the English Premiership but more importantly for us as a nation he's he's going to be a he's already a top player but he, he can go on and be even better I think I agree with you there Simon I don't think Aston he'll be playing for Aston Villa much longer no I really no, don't. I, I think I you can go next level. A, a big move for him, eh? Yeah, I really do. I think he's kind of a similar 
you know, characteristics on the pitch is Tierney. You know, that drive and that determination and that willingness. And they don't almost care who they're playing against, no, do they? No, they don't. That, I know we spoke about, I think, you know, that arrogance or self-belief, however you want to say it. Um, but the, he definitely has that. You know, you, you see him talking. Um, he said he had it in his mind that he could have double figures That's tonight. That's great, isn't it? That's and he's amazing. sitting on eight. He's yeah, already backing his cell to he's go. He's already saying, I'm going to try and score two goals here tonight. Chris Burke, Simon Donnelly, Rob McLean and... Scott on the Glasgow's south side uh, joins us on the show now as well. Hi, Scott. Hi, guys. How you doing? Hi, Scott. Good, thank Hi, you. Scott. What would you like to talk about? Uh, it's Arm the New Deal, and I think that most Scottish clubs, I don't think anyone will be able to beat that signing this summer. I think he's. I think already Rangers have won the transfer window by getting him and Davis on a new deal. Yeah, it's 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 incredible, isn't it, that that somebody who's in his fortieth year is such an exciting signing, Chris Barkham, I mean, and he's been around yeah. the block a few times. But quite simply, uh, he's one of the well, he would be one of the best goalkeepers in Europe and in, in the yeah. in, in the world, maybe when you think about it. Yeah, no, I said that he wouldn't have been short of offers, but it just shows you he just wants to play for the club and win more trophies. He sees the uh, the success that is has progressed through the. Rangers in the past what three seasons with Gerard, um, he still probably believes that he can win more trophies after after this season as well. Maybe winning the Scottish Cup um, in season next. So he's been fantastic for Rangers, and I'm sure I said it at the beginning. I I can see him playing for another four or five years, Simon. Um, I don't know about you, Scott, yeah. and you're totally right. Um, it gives me hope as well. As he's saying the the best signing for next year, and he's hitting his forties, and then you've got yeah. Davis signing. He's thirty six. So your, your youth policy. Hopefully, I can get a contract <laughs> sooner enough. <laughs> but it's interesting, isn't it, that that uh, <clears throat> Scott's so excited, Simon Donnelly, um, about these two guys who who you know you would imagine are are heading towards the end of their of their playing careers. But the the re-signing of Stephen Davis and Alan McGregor has the Rangers fans um, really buzzing. Yeah, because they've, they've produced, they've been two of Rangers' big players this year, uh, albeit they're senior players, but we've touched on it earlier on with the Scotland side of it in terms of captains in your team. We've touched on it with the effect of Scott Brown at Celtic and now probably going to have that effect at Aberdeen. These guys are from the same kind of mould and that's why I think on the back of a successful season for themselves personally and the team, quite rightly the Rangers supporters are excited that these guys have signed up for the next campaign because I think they'll be big players again I mean mm-hmm. St- Stephen Davis is a machine in the midfield you know in terms of fitness and we touched on his, his, his caps here for Northern Ireland that'll be in a team where they probably don't have a lot of the ball so he's, he's had to work hard in yeah. the games you know but that's that's the fitness of that guy uh, and Alan McGregor the same a different position albeit and he could, as, as Burke says, he could play for another two or three seasons. And Scott, uh, Stephen Davis just seems to supply at times what the team needs, doesn't he? He, he just he, he gives them what's required at any particular moment. And, and in parts of this season where, where Ryan Jack's been missing and, and he was such a key part of that midfield, uh, Stephen Davis just seems to do a bit of everything. He, he at times can be a ball winner in addition to what you expect him to be doing, which, which is directing the traffic and dictating the play. Yeah, I think with Davis, I think what Gerard's done with Davis needs to be uh, praised more because what he's done, he's stuck a guy who's got the best passing range in the league, I think, and is 35, not got much, not got many legs left, 
and just put two runners, whether it's Ryan Jack, Arfield, Aribo, Kamara, just stuck Davis in the middle of one of those two, with the probably Jack and Kamara on either side of him, and let them do the running, while Davis just pings ball left, right, and centre. So I think, and obviously he's still got the brain that he had in his peak, because to still find your Kents, your Hadjis, the more attacking players, and just I, he's just. His, I think his passing range is exceptional and I feel what Gerard's done with the midfield setup needs to be praised this season Clever management Chris Yeah no I like that was Scott saying there it's just just wrong me to um, obviously I'm saying that you know he's managed them really well and he has he has managed them really well um, giving him a disciplined role um, so he maybe doesn't need to cover the ground as much um, and let the others do it because at the end of the day when you when Stephen Davis gets the ball off the defence you know he can create that pass that can be, you know, splitting the, the midfield or even the the defence of the opposition. Uh, Scott's just said that himself. He's got the, probably the best passing range in in, in the league, um, and it just brings you back to the Scott Brown scenario. You know, giving him a more disciplined role is when he probably plays his best football, as you've seen probably in the last Old Firm game, um, when John Kennedy took over. He arguably the best player on the pitch. Putting players around Stephen Davis also makes me think about what Rangers do off the pitch as well. Because Stephen, what Stephen Gerrard has done so well as a Rangers manager, he was a rookie uh, when he came in, but he surrounded himself with the right people, hasn't he? Um, that's been really clever management as well. The likes of Michael Beale and Gary McAllister and others around him who are better at some of the things uh, about which Steven Gerrard is still learning mm-hmm. but but he but he's really utilized what what they bring to the party as well it's been a team operation hasn't it off the pitch Simon definitely definitely and i think it's i think it's Jurgen Klopp that went on record saying that although he was the manager of Liverpool mm-hmm. he wasn't the expert on everything he liked to delegate that was part of his management he liked to have somebody taking care of this somebody taking care of that and i think that's what Stevie's done he's got the experience of Gary Gary Mack, huge experience in the game, uh, knows the Scottish game before coming up here. But then you have the other guys, the important ones in the dressing room as well, which will manage the dressing room when they're not there. And that'll be your McGregor's, that'll be your Davises. They'll be the guys that will make sure there's no problems within the des- dressing room and be the guys that probably get the respect off Stevie Gerrard to be able to knock on his door and suggest different things if there's something, you know, coming from the group. So it's, it's a good two-way thing. And I think, well, it's definitely working for them just now. Yeah, it's a trust thing, isn't it? He trusts his staff. Yeah. Um, he has been backed and got the, got the staff that he's wanted in, but you still need to be able to trust them. You still need to be able to allow them to, to work. Um, you still need to, obviously, make them believe in the process. Um, and I think Gerard said it himself, you know, he, couldn't, he can't be the level of coaching that Beal is... Um, it'd take him 15, 20 years to do that so why would he not just let Bill do it Bring him he, in. he can do <laughs> yeah. the rest yeah exactly you know, that, that's, that's a great that's a great attribute to have not a lot of managers um, confidence in yourself as well yeah, isn't it? Exactly. To, to allow that person mm. to go and have such a say over the coaching you yeah. know he, he trusts him 100% and, it, and that, that is leadership in itself he's it been strong enough to delegate and allow somebody else mm-hmm. to go and do certain things yeah, Scott, so. do you think Rangers might be about to embark on a an extended period of domination in Scottish football, having won their first title in ten years? Well, hoping and thinking are two different things. <laughs> but on it, um, I'm not uh, over. Obviously, I think I, I was on a few weeks ago. Made this point after the old from game. 
I don't think there's a 20 point gap between two teams obviously there is on paper look at the like, table but if you look at the old firm games apart from the 2-0 which was we walked over the 1-0 again it was that man Alan McGregor who won us the game basically and then the one each I thought it was pretty even for the bulk of the game so I don't think there is a 20 point gap so in terms of dominance I'm not 100% sure and I saw today Celtic were looking at Eddie Howe made contact apparently I think it'll be a decent appointment not as good as some people think it'll be but I think it, Eddie Howe would be a decent appointment so dominance obviously I hope, hope so but I think it'll go back to what it was late late 20, late, two, late 2000s when it was sort of down the last day three four points between it every season I oh, can't you- see that teams going three Maybe, not, I don't think we'll see another nine in a row for 20, 30 years at least when, when you say a decent appointment, Eddie, how, what do you mean by that, Scott? Basically, what I was, because I'm quite into my English football, and I think Eddie Howe, I think, I think it's fair to say the weakest part of the Celtics team is the back line. And Eddie Howe's back line at Bournemouth it left a lot to be desired, to put it simply. They had a lot of talent, and they're like Tyrone Mings, I think Nathan Ake, good, good players, but. Well, watching Bournemouth, you always thought they could concede two or three goals a game, if, even when they were finished 10th or 11th. Yeah, the only reason I would say that I disagree a little bit is because when you're when you're a manager of Celtic, maybe you don't need to defend as much, so they do play a free flow and attacking football. Eddie Howe, um, and he was a defender himself, mm. so he can witness a good def- a good defender that's good in attack as well and I think that's important for Celtic at Bournemouth it's a different level isn't it he wants to play free flow and attacking football against opposition that have got elite elite players that will punish you yeah. um, and that's no disrespect to Scott in the Scottish League but um, Bournemouth will probably defend more yeah. as well but, it is, but it is a part of the Celtic yeah. it's the obvious part of the Celtic operation at the yeah, moment on the pitch that you would want to sort out yeah, isn't yeah. It? well obviously yeah. um, Scott said it um, decent appointment so I would just want to know when were you like that when Gerard came in because he didn't have the experience you would say at the beginning of his, co- his coaching or managing career. Did you did you doubt him, Scott, or were you always convinced that he was going to be a success? I was quite apprehensive about Gerard. Not going to lie, because us, because I've I think players are, are even before Gerard. Gerard can change my mind on this, but I feel people shouldn't be given jobs based on a playing career does that make sense manager mm-hmm. job yep. just based on they were a good player I'd always thought I saw I think it was on me on in Monaco before Gerard, I think around about the same time I didn't think that was a great appointment but obviously I think Gerard's definitely changed my mind Lampard to an extent changed my mind so at the time I, at the time I was quite apprehensive because I didn't feel you needed I felt you needed a bit more coaching experience before getting a top job like the Rangers job was which was a poison chalice when he took over but I had, obviously you changed my mind best manager we've had since Walter even though it's not the highest about, or not, you know, it's quite a low bar but still It's Rangers against Cove Rangers on Sunday do you, do you think it's going to be a League and Cup double? Yes I'll, I'll back it yeah because I feel I think this is an Although it could be, I think obviously Celtic's the only other contender, and I think John Kennedy will be seeing this as a job interview, and the players will be thinking, "Oh, we're playing for our places, or oh, we're playing for a move." Some of them, but I do feel like our confidence is as high as it's ever been, and I think we should 
should win the Scottish Cup, but again, you never know with Cup football. We get put out by Hearts last year, we get relegated, so you never know. Scott, thanks for your call. Good to hear from you. Thanks, Scott. Cheers, Scott. No All the best. Cheers. Scottish Cup weekend coming up. The Go Radio Football Show. Download the Go Radio app to listen live weeknights from five. Thanks, Chris. This time uh, tomorrow night, uh, we'll be just about into the third round of the Scottish Cup. Uh, there's been a fair old hiatus uh, in terms of getting the second round concluded, the third round played, and then it's all pretty quick fire after this, rattling through the rounds uh, towards the semi-finals, which I think are pretty much at the end of the month, Chris. So uh, it's Dennis Muir against your team, Kilmarnock. We'd uh, we'd Scott on the show just before the break there, and he was he was pretty much saying it's Rangers or Celtic for for the Scottish Cup. But this has been a crazy season. Um, you know, we'd we'd uh, Livingston and St Johnston in the final of the League Cup. I just wonder if we're going to get a surprise winner of the Scottish Cup. I hope so. <laughs> <laughs> What's Dennis Muir, you mean? Yeah. Um, it would be nice to go on a, a, a cup run. Obviously, we never got that opportunity in the League Cup with having to you know, postpone our matches, etc. We didn't make the, the past the group stage, but it'd be good for us to give us a little bit of momentum as well and a, bit, a little bit of belief. What do you think, Simon? Is it a League and Cup double for Rangers? Will Celtic oh, get a call? Going to Will Simon Celtic, if Will Celtic what are you going to say? I hope, well, I hope not. Obviously, I'm, I'm biased towards it. I would, I would like Celtic to win it, but I, th- I think uh, I think it could serve up another surprise. Yeah. I'm happy that the cups going ahead. At one point earlier in this year, we thought it might have been getting scrapped. So it's great to have it going ahead. It's the third. It's, it's, it's the biggest outside the league, obviously. So Rangers will be looking to get a double. They've missed out in the treble. They'll be looking for a double. Celtic will look to bounce back, but uh, we might get a wee surprise. I mean, Scott, Scott was speaking there about you know John Kennedy auditioning yep. for the job um, if if Celtic can win the Scottish Cup. I, I must say, from my opinion, I, I don't I, I don't see it that. No. I don't think John Kennedy is enough. I mean, with the grace of respect <clears throat> to him, he, he's, he's he's a lovely guy and he's obviously a great coach. But Celtic need something bigger, don't they? Why? Yeah. Why? To I, well, to attract players to you know to be higher profile. And maybe I'm just maybe I'm being unfair in John. I just think uh, I don't think the next guy is going to get a lot of time. But I think John would get less if if if, yeah. if that makes sense. But again, for Celtic and the size of the club and self respect and and professionalism. You go out and try and win every game. You, you go and try and win that. And it, listen, it'd be a great feather than John Kennedy's cap if he can bounce back in such a, a trying season for Celtic and, and win a trophy. It really would. Well, let's not talk about behind his back. Let's listen to what he has to say about his immediate future. No, nothing at all. And I don't, I don't expect it. It's a big club uh, and individuals aren't important at this time, especially me thinking about myself. Um, so what will be will be. You know, I'll do the best job I possibly can for the time being. But at any football club, you can never give any assurances in times like this for anyone because you never know what's around the corner. If things change and people want things differently, so be it. I'll know I've done the best I possibly can. John Kennedy saying there, no, he's heard uh, nothing about it and uh, no great surprise that he hasn't heard anything about it. Do, do you seriously see him as a as a serious contender for the, for the job, Chris? I just don't understand why he's not in contention. Um, I don't understand why you don't put somebody through that amount of education you know, he's scouted for the team, he's worked through the ranks, I think he's won titles with Celtic under 19s and 23s or whatever, and then became assistant manager, worked through that amount of times with the players, you know, um, Brendan Rodgers speaks so highly of him, says he will be a manager one day, and if there's one thing, you know, 
Germany do it fantastically. You've got Ragnar, you've got Tuchel, you've got I think I don't know how to say his name, Nagelsmann or something like that. At um, another guy, Hassen, yeah. Hassenhüttel from Southampton. They've all came through the ranks when they started their coaching career um, through the academy, and look at them now. Yeah. I don't understand why Scotland don't think like that. It's different here, isn't it? It's different in the Glasgow Goldfish Bowl, isn't it? When it's when it's Celtic bouncing back or trying yeah. to against Rangers and competing <clears throat> with not just with Rangers but, but with Steven Gerrard at the at the front of it. Yeah, and rightly or wrongly, I might be contradicting myself. I, I go along with a lot of what Chris is saying there in terms of promoting from within. It's proved success at clubs throughout. You know. Douglas at Liverpool came through slightly, well, a lot different. Pep Guardiola came through at Barcelona. I think John Kennedy now, with the experience he's got, maybe needs to go and be a man in his own right somewhere else before he looks at, you know, like the the, the move Brown has, Brown has made. Mm-hmm. You know, he's went to Aberdeen there and it would not surprise me in the least if a few seasons from now we're talking about Scott Brown as, as the Celtic manager. I think that might be the next chapter in John Kennedy's book. But does prom- promoting from within not tend to work at clubs that are enjoying success at the time? Yeah. And you just move somebody out and move somebody up. Yeah. And it likes the Liverpool, the old Liverpool boot room way of, of of finding a manager. They did that so many times. But with Celtic, you're talking about a rebuild. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know that so many key people are on the way out here. Yeah, yeah but that, he's, that, do you he's, not need a big name coming in uh, as the as the as the front of the club? Yeah, I'm just putting another stint on it. You know, I'm arguing another side of it. I'm he's scouted before, so he knows players. Um, he knows how to attract. Uh, well, he knows how to, you know, see a good player and what is needed to be a Celtic mm. player. He's worked for that many years at the club. Um, that might I think a, that may be a role for him. That that might be under this new regime whatever way they're going to shape it up, that, that might be a role because we've touched on that in this show so many times and I've said it this season, recruitment for Celtic has been nowhere near as good as it should have been this year. They have not improved or put pressure on the guys who had the jersey throughout the season. Ultimately, we've, we've read today, Nicky Hammond has moved on so that that could maybe be mm-hmm. a role for him if he was wanting to go down that route. I mean, we, we tend to gauge the reaction on this show of Celtic fans and I haven't heard so many of got in touch with us and been part of the show I can't think of too many who were pro John Kennedy no. to be to be the next manager um, you know right, that, right, rightly or wrongly I, th- I think that will go against them because yeah. as I say the next guy I laughed during yeah. the week the next guy coming in and he's got time to, to build you've not got time you, you have to hit the ground running it's as simple as that as you say in the crazy world that we live in in the yeah. west side of Scotland you have to, you have to win but and surely you, and, he and knows the club more to, than the new guy yeah but but you have to you have to sell this to the fans. You know, is it, how easy is going to be selling John Kennedy to the fans as as Neil Lennon's replacement? Yeah, and se- season books are around the corner as well. Yeah. I, 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 it becomes a commercial see, exercise, doesn't it? Does, it? it does a little bit, yeah. Which but, is a shame. Yeah, absolutely. But I know I understand Celtic fans are thinking, the Chris Buck shut up. But <laughs> they'll, they'll be thinking, thinking don't <laughs> and then in Germany is a little bit different, maybe because there's more time, etc. Yeah. Um, Celtic's probably a bigger challenge. You know they've not had success; they need success instantly. But I do think there should be a place for John Kennedy. I really do. I think yeah. he's getting overlooked, and he's 
He's not getting res- this respect that he deserves. Um, I think the team has improved since he's took over as well. Yeah. Um, you've seen that more evident in the old firm game. Yeah. Um, well, there's been a place for him in the last few regimes. Yeah. So, so there may well be still Could a place still for him be, this yeah. time around Could in the be. background. But when but, does he become not, manager then? Up front, I don't know. Does don't he have know. to leave to become well, manager? That, as you said, that's, Simon. That's what I think. Then I think, was he not linked with somebody before recently? Yeah, I think he has, and and you know, the, John Kennedy has got a great coaching reputation. Uh, there's no doubt about it. But is he the right man to be fronting up at Celtic at the moment? Well, you know, uh, from what I hear of from the fans, the, the answer to that seems to be no. Before we go, I want to spot, talk uh, Scotland. We started off talking Scotland. We're going to talk Scotland before we go. A double for John McGinn last night, 4-0 against the Faroes. And we can put World Cup uh, qualifying on the back burner at the moment because it's now all about countdown to the Euros. <laughs> it's exciting. Uh, exciting for everybody. I think there has been there's been anticipation building. Uh, we've had to be professional focus on these three games, but it has has been tough. Uh, we've all got our eyes on something we've we've dreamed about for a long time. Not only us as players, but supporters, um, everyone involved, and we're just keeping everything crossed that things can develop. The vaccine can keep charging on, and we can get some supporters in here. But uh, it's way above our pay grade. We're just hoping everyone stays in their best behaviour and, and gives us the best chance to do that. The planning for the summer starts shortly for Stevie Clark, but not quite yet. I'm going to look forward to them, but as I said to you before, I'm going to go home and have Easter weekend with my kids and my grandkids. And then from, from the middle of next week, I'll probably start thinking about the Euros when we get to get, well, I know when we get to, I know the dates for when we get together, but what we're going to do and how we're going to work it. So it's been too long since we were there as a nation. So let's look forward to it. We're certainly going to have a positive frame of mind and looking forward to the tournament. Two former Scotland internationals with me in the studio. Simon, getting excited yet? Cannot wait. Cannot wait. Uh, We've got the World Cup qualifications out the road just now until September. Now let's focus on the finals. We're all waiting for it. Hopefully we can have some fans back. Yeah. Uh, But yeah, just after the the difficult period that everybody's experienced in and out of football, this will be a huge lift to the the nation and hopefully we do well. As John McGinn says, let's hope we can get a few Mm -hmm. fans in. But we're excited about it anyway. Scotland are at major finals for the first time. (laughs) If we we can't get excited about that, we we ain't got a pulse, I don't think. And we've got two home games. Yeah. (laughs) If you really think about it. Um, And just one round the corner at Wembley. Once, so, we, once we work out what the tournament format is beyond those first few games yeah. and what happens I next. I tried but... to have a look there, but I'm still <laughs> no any yeah, clearer. Don't know. No. Well, we'll work that one out. We're, for, for now, we're just content to be there. Uh, we're looking forward to the Euros, but uh, plenty of uh, football to flow under the bridge between now and then. We're back tomorrow night. Paul Cooney is here with Barry Ferguson and Mark Guidi, as usual, live at five. The Go Radio Football Show. Download the Go Radio app to listen live weeknights from five. Feel the heat of the game, the crunching tackles, the near misses and diving headers. Feel the drive from the sidelines. Feel the passion of your captain. Feel the celebrations. Feel the last-minute heartache and the penalty save that changes everything. Feel the heat of the game from the comfort of your own home with OPC Energy Limited. For more information on boiler servicing and maintenance, visit opc-ltd.uk.